the Lord. Amen. I love the meaning of that song, don't you? I thought it was just going to be me. I thought I could do it. Come to find out, I can't even walk without you holding my hand. Amen. Mark chapter number 5. The gospel according to Mark chapter number 5. Mark chapter 5. Now remember, let's see, Sunday night before last. Last Sunday, Jason preached Sunday night. Sunday night before last, at the the end, the last paragraph of Mark chapter 4, which begins at verse number 30, all the way to verse 41 to the end of the chapter, um, we saw the great, the great miracle of Christ calming the storm. It was a great storm, and the Lord rebuked it. Peace be still, the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And we think about the awesomeness of that. Even so much the disciples, and I like, I like this insert at the end of verse 41, that it gives a, a, uh, a normal sinful perspective, a sinful person's perspective on what they saw. It humanizes the event. Now remember, Jesus is fully man, but he's also fully God. But this insert about the disciples' reaction makes it more personable for you and me. And then they say... In verse 41, we'll just read the whole verse. And they feared exceedingly. They're like, what in the world is going on in the world? That's what they're thinking. What in the world? Now notice, they've never seen this. A lot of them were fishermen, lived on the, lived on the, lived on the water, made a living on the water. And then they say, what manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Now, we've become, um, what's the word, synthesized to the gospel. We're so used to hearing this, we just hear it in passing the wind and the sea obey him. That is, a, that is a huge statement. That is a huge truth about Jesus. And we could add that to this morning's sermon, sermon that whatever, whatever God says happens. So he can say it. He, he can, it's one thing to say it. It's one thing to talk the talk. But God can walk the walk. So he... He's, he, is, he is capable of saying and doing. So if Jesus said, hey, I rebuked the winds and the sea and nothing happened, but that's not what happened. He, he has so much power that he just says it, and it, that's the end of it. It's the power of the word of God. Whatever he says happens. Whatever he says happens. And I hope and pray that that becomes a great doctrine to your life. So get in the will of God, because whatever he says happens, and that's important. So we're going to begin at verse number one. This, this, this story in the life of Christ, it's quite a bit of reading tonight, and we're going to go all the way to verse number 20, and there's so much here that I know we're going to be missing some things that aren't going to be discussed tonight, and maybe it'll become another sermon, I don't know, but all the way to verse number 20, this this. This next scene in the life of Jesus going through the book of Mark. So in verse 1, Mark 5, And they came over to the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, 
neither could any man tame him. Verse 5, And always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. Let, Let me pause, and I want to insert something into your minds. This seems like a mental illness, doesn't it? You hear a lot today about mental illnesses, about mental health. And I'm not suggesting that there isn't some truth to our mental health. But I also want us to not, to not gloss over that. A lot of these issues of mental health are spiritual problems. So this, the symptoms of this man, that if we saw him today, we wouldn't characterize this as demon possession or demonic activity in his life or an unclean spirit. You and I would say, and this is, this is a worldly definition, I believe, often of a spiritual problem. You and I would say, he's crazy. He's a lunatic. His mental health is poor. But this man is possessed of demons. And so, although he has all the symptoms of mental illness, this text absolutely is clear that this is a spiritual problem that he's dealing with. Don't, don't, don't assume that spiritual struggles have ceased. And don't ever assume that demonic possession has ended. This man's mental health symptoms are actually demonic oppression in his life. Verse number 6. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. God, he's begging God by God. He don't, the demons don't want to be cast into the abyss or to hell. For he said unto him, Jesus said, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Now, Legion is a group of Roman soldiers, and that's anywhere, according to, it's either, it's either 6,000 or 12,500. That's what makes up Legion. So the, the devil is saying that my name is Legion, for we are many. So this guy has at least 6,000 demons in him, at the least. Anywhere from 6,000 to 12,500 are he's dealing with. In verse number 10, And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils, again plural, besought him, saying, Send us, plural, into the swine that we, plural, may enter into them. Forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran, ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000. Now some might think, well, I thought you said there's 6,000 or 12,500 demons, but if 12,000, or at least, let's do the minimal, 6,000 demons can live inside this man, then how many could live in 2,000 swine? And they were choked into the sea. Verse 14, And they that fed the swine fled and told it into the city and in the country, and they went out to see what was done. And they came to Jesus to see that that was him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. 
And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him or ask Jesus to depart out of their coast. Isn't that sad? They care more about their swine business than this man's soul. There's a lot of sermons in that, isn't there? Verse 18, And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not and said unto him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And I was telling one of my friends this morning, the question was, how do you share your faith? And that's just simply it. You just tell people what great things the Lord has done for you. In verse number 20, And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. He's not a preacher. He's just saying, hey, look, I once had at least 6,000 demons in me, and now I don't. Now I was naked, alone, sleeping in the graveyard, now I'm not. And what happened? That's just what Jesus did for me. He sung about it in the choir tonight. Old things passed away. All things have become new. And again, I, I don't want to, before we, before we get really into the sermon, maybe this might be part of the sermon. Well, it certainly is. I, I want to reiterate that the gospel of Jesus Christ saves sinners from their sins. And it's important that we believe a gospel that's biblical. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is a man that was possessed of demons, now is clothed and in his right mind. So we could say, and I've heard it said this way before, it's Christ or chaos. It's Christ or chaos. Without Christ, this man lived in chaos. With Christ, it's sanity, clothing, and he's in his right mind. Something happened to this man, and the only explanation is Jesus Christ. And so the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel that saves sinners. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the same Christ, the same Lord, the same Savior. It's important that we put our faith in a Christ, in the Christ, the biblical Christ, the only Christ, not another gospel, the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. It's important that we believe in a Christ that has power to change our lives and save sinners from their sins. We, we, we mustn't trust in a weak Christ because there is not a weak Christ. There isn't one. The Christ you lean on is a Christ that brings sanity and peace when there's chaos and demonic activity. The Christ that we preach is a gospel that saves sinners from their sins. And it's important that we share that gospel with people. That it's not just a, it's not just a Jesus, it is the Jesus that all power is given unto him in heaven and earth, and he has the power to deliver us from our sins. And that is essential. Amen? Our Heavenly Father tonight, I pray, God, that you will help us to believe your word, to trust you, Christ, the biblical New Testament Christ. And Lord, that our faith in you would only grow, that when we pray to you, we're praying to the Christ who cast out at least the conservative side 6,000 demons. Lord, one would be terrible. Now, this man is named Legion, for they were many. And Lord, I'm thankful that now we're praying to a Christ who has conquered all things. You have been given the keys of, of death, hell, and the grave. And Lord, I pray that we believe on this, you, powerful, 
conquering, soul-saving, life-cleansing, washing by your blood, this Christ, Lord, you, the only risen Savior. Lord, I pray that we believe in you and trust you. We love you, worship you, and thank you. In your name, Christ, we pray. Amen. Before we get further into it, we, we had our monthly meeting this afternoon, and I, I'm, I'm glad we, our, what our conversation was about, and I want to share it with you, because I want you to help us pray, that we want our church to be a church where the truth is preached and proclaimed, that where the gospel is preached biblically and clearly, and it's not for entertainment, and it's not to lather us up, it's not that we won't be passionate, not that we won't be excited about the gospel, but that we want the gospel to be clear and biblical and sound. And that's our prayer because that is our only hope. Amen? And this world needs a clear, biblical presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you help us pray, we as a church pray, that especially when it's preaching time, that it is, not a, it is not in the form of a tradition or an ideology or, a, or a, this is the way it has to be. No, that it is the Bible, biblical, empowered by the Spirit of the living Christ. That's the desire, and that's what we want. You help us pray for that, amen? So start now, okay? <laughs> so that God can do His, His work tonight. Context is king, I've said often, and because it's true. We have to keep in mind when this takes place. So if you think about it in a, in a linear time frame, if we were on the boat with Jesus, which we were by his word, if we're on the boat with Jesus Christ, when he calms the storm and calms the waves, if, imagine that you're on the boat. This is the next day. So last night we were on the boat with Jesus. And last night, Jesus, what, what manner of man is this? Last night, Jesus Christ, in the middle of the worst storm you and I have ever been in, stood up, wiped sleep out of his eyes, and rebuked the wind and the sea, and they obeyed him. And the next morning now, we're, on, we're at Decapolis, and we meet this man, we're getting off the boat, and this, this lunatic is coming out to us. He's, he's a maniac. Okay, so let's... This took place, Jesus cast out the demons, and we get back in the boat the same date. So we're looking at this from a broad view, and then we're going to get more narrow. The, the same day, Jesus gets back into the boat and goes back across the lake, and he's summoned there because Jairus' daughter is grievously ill, and we know, because we've read the story before, that she died. And Jesus is on his way to resurrect or bring back to life Jairus' daughter, the ruler of the synagogue. And while he's on his way there, there's a woman with an issue of blood. And she comes and she thinks, if I have faith, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I could be made whole. Which actually, she's, she's, she's trying to be biblical because she's unclean and she don't want to touch him. So she could touch the hem of his garment, she could be made whole. And she's thinking, if there's, there must be, I must have access to him. Even though I can't touch his body, surely I can have access to him. And that's true for you and me too. You can't touch his body, but you still have access to Christ by faith. And so this is the same day, same day. And on his way to 
bring Jairus' daughter back to life, a woman with an issue of blood touches the hem of his garment, and immediately the issue of blood is dried up within her. Same day, same day. And then Jesus leaves that, that moment, and he goes to Jairus' house and brings back to life Jairus' daughter. And all of this is less than 24 hours. What manner of man is this? So we've been on this journey with Jesus, and what should be happening is to us that Jesus Christ is powerful. Jesus Christ, there's no one like him. Jesus Christ has what type of power? He has power that you and I do not have. And what is it? I or you cannot control the weather. Jesus can. I or you cannot cast out demons. They tried. No man could tame him. No man could help him. Jesus could. This woman who had suffered many things and many physicians, how long was it, 18 years? Long time. No man, no physician could help her. Not even the educated could help her. The best of the best could not help her, but Jesus did. Jairus' daughter, he is a ruler of the synagogue. He's a religious leader, so Jesus is stronger than a religious leader. He has more power than a physician. He has more power than all the psychologists put together. He has more power than the weather. Do you see what's happening? Now Jesus goes to Jairus' house, a ruler of the synagogue, a religious leader. He's now going to the center of the religious authority in that community, and no preacher, no deacon, no, no rabbi can do anything. As a matter of fact, when Jesus said she's not dead, she's just sleeping, they laugh at him, kind of like Sarah did. Anything that God says happens. Peace be still, it happens. Come out of him, it happens. Woman, thy faith hath made thee whole, it happens. He says to the little girl, I say unto thee, arise, and it happens. He has power over the powerlessness of our lives. Every one of those examples are beyond our power to do anything about it. What is the Bible teaching us? What is the gospel teaching us is that nothing is impossible with God. Put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him you'll have everlasting life. Build your marriage in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because in Him alone, He alone can do in your marriage what you have it's beyond human authority, power, scope, or reach to do anything about it. Follow Jesus. Raise your children in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the spirit of the gospel, obeying Christ in all things, and he will do in your kids what is impossible to do with human beings and human power. Build your church in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and He who has all power beyond religious man-made authority and Christ can do in us, through us, by us, even without us. He can get a hold of the group of people in. He can get a hold of the pastor. He can do anything that He wants. Build our church in Jesus' name. Build your life in Jesus. Trust your soul to Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because nobody else could control the weather, cast out demons, heal a woman nobody could heal, and raise a little girl from dead, from the de from grave. Nobody can do that except God. So if you need God in your life, it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's what's going on here. That's the, that's the big picture here.
And all of this is happening in 24 hours. Follow Jesus. Amen? So now let's scope it down some. So in verse number two, and when he was come out of the ship, and I think about poor Legion, he has no idea who's coming down the road. I mean, Jesus just got through stopping a storm, and Jesus is throwing one leg over the side of the boat. He's getting out on the other side, and he went there on purpose. If you read the passage according to Matthew, he went there on purpose to do this, and Jesus is on a mission, a messianic, savior-shepherding, soul-saving, life-changing mission to go see one maniac who nobody can help. Jesus throws one leg over one side of the boat and another leg over the other side of the boat. I imagine he's like, let's hear it. Where you at? Because I've come to do something about this problem. Because he's the only one who can. And the Bible said, and when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. J. Vernon McGee, and I appreciate it, he made note of this, that he's still a man he might be full of demons, but he's a man. He might, his life might be out of control, but he's a man. And the Bible records him as a man. He seems unhuman, doesn't he? But he's a man. He is a man that needs help. He is a man whose life has fallen apart. He's somebody's husband, maybe. He has to be somebody's son. He is a man. He is a human being. And Jesus Christ sees him for what he is. He is a broken down troubled sinner in desperate need of the power of Jesus Christ. The same power that can stop the wind and the waves is the same power that this man is going to experience on a personal level. And it's the same power that calmed the storms the night before is the same power that's going to calm the storms in this man's life. There was a man. I identify with him, don't you? There's a certain somebody. There's a person here tonight, maybe. Maybe, you're, maybe it's not the level of 6,000 demons. Your spouse might disagree, but maybe it's not to that level. But could you admit that maybe, if, if we're honest with our hearts tonight, that there's chaos in my life. There's turmoil in my life. There's a storm that's been raging. Now, it's hard sometimes to identify. I've never been on a storm like what these disciples were the night before, and surely I don't have 7,000 demons in me, but certainly I can identify with struggle, with the inability to control myself, the circumstances of life that make your emotions, sometimes reactions, nobody can do anything, nobody can help you. You ever felt that way? No matter what anybody says, nobody can help you. No matter what sermon you listen to, it seems like the preacher gives you advice that it won't help you. Your husband, your spouse says do this, do this, do this, it still don't help you. You read books about it, it still don't help you. You, ever, you identify with this as I do. That it's like you're, you are beyond the power of human intervention. You've tried everything and nothing can help you. And that's where this guy is. You see, it's important that you view Christ in, in a way that he can help you because as you believe, so will it be unto you. And if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, because Christ has power to do that. And if your faith in Christ will grow, the chaos in your life will turn into sanity. 
And if you follow Christ and trust a Christ that has this much power, just the comfort of knowing he has this much power, he could bring a certain measure of peace, if not completely eradicate it altogether, if you will trust in this powerful, all-consuming, loving Christ who can help you. And there was a man. There was a certain man. What were, what were his symptoms? His condition is terrible, verse number 3. No man could bind him, no, not with chains. Man, he must be bad. Maybe Jason's like, I, I got an idea. Let's chain him up. <laughs> he can't be around our kids. He can't be in the neighborhood. There is hope for the worst sinner that ever lived. There is hope for a man that is so bad that they have to chain him up because he's so bad. There is hope for someone like that. There is hope, no matter what, there is hope. Why? Because Jesus has the power to say, peace be still, and the wind cease, and there was a great calm. There's hope. Do you see Christ compared to this man's struggle? Jesus has more power, doesn't he? No man could bind him, no, not with chains. Look at verse number 5. The language is a little bit different. The end of verse, excuse me, verse number 4. At the end of verse number 4, neither could any man tame him. So no man could bind him, and no man could tame him. You see the difference? Nobody could tame him, so they chained him up. And the chains couldn't even tame him. He broke them asunder. It could also, it needs to be noted, and it's important, that great strength isn't always from God. This man has great strength, great power. The devil has so controlled his life that the devil has given him so much strength that no man can tame him. That's how much power the devil can have over somebody's life. There is no human help. There is no personal help. And the devil has so much power over his life that this guy has enough strength to break chains and fetters off his hands and his feet. And he plucked them asunder in verse number 4. And the fetters broken in pieces. He's breaking them in pieces. That's how much power the devil has over this man's life. Hey, Jesus is his only hope. you agree with that? Amen. Jesus is his only hope that he has. Amen. 6,000 of a conservative number, legions, in, devils in him. Now, verse number 8, his deliverance. So we see a man, verse number 2. We see the circumstances, number 1. Christ is doing all this powerful work. We see the man in verse number 2 of chapter 5. We see his condition in verses 3 and 4, and especially in 8 and 9, especially verse 9, what is thy name, Jesus said, and says, my name is Legion. This man's condition is, is terrible. But verse number 8, For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. We see his deliverance. That's all Jesus did. Come out of the man, the man, thou unclean spirit. Now, I think I've said this before, but I'm going to do it again, okay? Because it's applicable, and it's the truth. Jesus' words are so powerful that all he has to do is say it. He don't have to call the, a fleet of aircraft carriers to do it. He so, has so much more power over the chains and afflictions of the devil that all Jesus has to do is say it. 
He don't have to do any magic. He don't have to do any chanting. He don't have to light an incense. He don't have to get some water up together from the lake. He didn't make holy water. He didn't, he didn't say, hey, Peter, get a bucket. I'm going to pray over it. Hey, let's get the elders together. Let's lay hands on him. Let, let's No, he has so much power, all he has to do is say it. And that's it. That at the word of Jesus Christ, he cast out at the least 6,000 demons, at the most 12,500 demons. And the demons were so powerful in this man's life in comparison. So we have a, the power of the devil over this man's life. No man could tame him. No man could chain him. He broke them all asunder, broke handcuffs. That much power. Cut himself with stones. Cried out in verse number 5, crying. It means shrieking and screaming. You know how terrifying that would be? You're going to visit your loved one and in the evening the sun is setting and you see a maniac come out around a rock, no clothes on, with chains breaking, hanging off of him, and he's and he's shrieking and he's screaming. No man can tame him. And Jesus' words said, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. There is power and deliverance in the word of God. So what's the application here? It might not be this dramatic in our life, but it's apparent, and here's the application, that wherever Jesus is, there seems to be deliverance. Wherever Jesus is, there seems to be life, asked Jairus. Wherever Jesus is, there seems to be healing, asked the woman with the issue of blood. Wherever Jesus is, there seems to be chaos, but where there's Christ, there becomes order. There becomes sanity and peace, clothed in his right mind. He's, in, he's got peace and sanity, and he's clothed. He's got his, so we could say this, couldn't we? Jesus put his life back together. Jesus brought order where there was chaos. Jesus brought peace where there was pain. Jesus tamed him. Christ Tamed him. No man can tame him. Jesus said, come out of the man, and the man's tame. So wherever Christ is, then we could put, all, we could put two and two together that Jesus calms storms, Jesus tames lives, Jesus heals where there's issues in somebody's personal, private life that nobody knows about, and this woman sneaking around the crowd, coming behind him in the press, and she touches the hem of his garment wherever there's personal, deep-rooted, personal problems and issues or huge pain of the death of Jairus' daughter. Wherever Jesus is, you see the trend? There's tameness, peace. There was what? Peace be still in verse chapter 4, verse 39. There was a great calm. Wherever Jesus is, we could say that too, couldn't we? There was once a storm, but when Jesus at a word rebuked it, there was great calm. So let's add them together. There was great calm. There was tame in his right mind. There was peace be still. There, there, see it? So here's the application. Wherever Christ is, there is a positive change, correct? So it might not be as dramatic as this. I pray to God it ain't. If there is, I know a man who can, right, Nancy? So what do I do with this information and me and you? We have to get more of this awesome, life-changing power in our lives. So there might be peace 
and sanity and life and joy where there once was pain. So wherever Christ is, there's an effective change in our lives. How do I get more of Jesus? Well, we could, we could add a couple here. We could say, repent, stop doing what you're doing that Christ is contrary to and turn away from it. And believe Him and trust Him and lean on Him. And some of you have talked about it in your Bible reading. You've read more Bible in the past two months than you ever have your whole life. And I've heard so many of you say, you know what, I don't understand everything about the Bible, but my life seems to have more peace. There seems to be something going on where there once wasn't before. My circumstances haven't changed, but there seems to be something in my life where there once was chaos, and now there's peace, sanity. Something's tamed inside of me. What is it? Lo, I come in the volume of a book. It is written of me. Search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have everlasting life, but they are they which testify of me. In the beginning was the Word, where it was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. You're putting Christ in your life. And what's happening? This is happening. This is. It's Christ or chaos. It's always that way. More Jesus, less pain. Amen? More Jesus, less pain. Let's stand to our feet tonight.